0: Okay. Well, good morning everybody online and uh, here as well. Uh, uh, thank you for coming this morning. Uh, so anyway, I know we're in a different season right now, uh, worldwide, <laughs> but even here locally. Uh, so uh, we will always have it online. Uh, our doors are open, uh, so we're here. Um, but anyway, I uh, just want to make a couple announcements. We do have Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. Okay, so those who are welcome, we're still going to have that tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, and then uh, we still have our Bible classes. Everything, everything is online. Only thing that's not online the Bible studies. Um, but anyway, if you want to have a Bible study with me, you know just uh, just uh, connect with me, and uh, we'll, we'll do something. So okay. So uh, we're not going to exclude anybody during this season. Uh, we'll, we might have to be a little innovative at times, but we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll make sure we include everybody. So um, I think that's all the announcements right now. I know we're different seasons but everything's online uh, last week we just finished a season last, uh, a series last week called establishing righteousness and uh, whole all of that is also in our Bible classes as well as our archives for our messages last week and if you were listening or haven't listened to it we got bumped off uh, for some reason in the middle of the message towards the beginning and we still have we have two parts uh, um, uh, 9a and 9b. Uh, to last week's, uh, it's in our archives. You'll see it if you're, you're following with us in that manner. You'll see us, uh, so we, we have it all on there. Okay, you didn't miss anything and I saw that the iPad went uh, went blank and uh, I just paused uh, momentarily until we got on. So you didn't miss anything. I don't always catch that, but I just happened to see it. And so anyway, but right, we are uh, here. We are this week, and I want to talk about the food of righteousness. This will probably just be just a one lesson uh, message. Uh, I had I, I mentioned in our last season, uh, series that I would talk about this. Uh, because it's really kind of a, uh, another... Uh, I have six parts in the last one. This is probably a seventh part that I can basically tag onto that. But also with everything going on in our world today, uh, a lot of panic, a lot of fear, uh, among other things, I wanted to speak about peace. And I want to talk about being established in peace. And so starting next week, I'm going to start a new series to talk to, called being entitled, establishing Peace. In this, you'll see that this, uh, this, the, today's lesson, or today's message, will transition between being established in righteousness, being called the fruit of righteousness, and also peace, that I'll be talking about. And that will come out very clearly in some of the scriptures that I'll be talking about this morning. So hopefully that making sense. Uh, I'm just trying to bring everything into perspective here, um, and get us on the same page. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the message this morning. Uh, we'll be talking about the fruit of righteousness. And, uh, you know, even just that phrase, the fruit of righteousness, it's the fruit of righteousness. Notice what it doesn't say. It's, it's not the root of righteousness. It's not the source. It's the fruit of. It's the byproduct of righteousness. We just spent ten weeks, or nine weeks, excuse me, on righteousness. And righteousness is not what we do, it's who we are. But because we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, we live righteous. There is a fruit to that. We're also going to tag in, uh, tag along with this, the fruit of holiness too. Uh, I'll, I'll tag that on at the end of this message today. The fruit of righteousness and the fruit of holiness. Okay. One of the verses we used in our last series, we talked from Ephesians 4, that we are to uh, uh, to so learn this truth that's in Christ, and this truth that's in Christ that we're to so learn is to put off the old man, and the spirit of our mind put on the new man, who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is the new man we put on because we reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. But because we are truly righteous, and we are truly holy, and we are truly sanctified by, by Jesus Christ, there is a fruit that comes out of that. There's a different byproduct. There's a different fruit that came out of the fruit of uh, you know just uh, uh, being a sinner or, or, or wickedness or, or um, just a uh, just a natural mindset. We are born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. By the Word of God. The seed is Christ. The seed is the Word of God. The fruit of that, there's many aspects of that fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, and it talks about love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. But the fruit of righteousness is all, is, also, is also a byproduct of this seed, this nature that we're not born into. And I'm hoping I'm making sense a little bit just in, in introduction here. I'm going to be using all the verses that I know of on this fruit of righteousness, so uh, we're going to start with uh, Proverbs chapter 11, so go ahead and turn, me if you have your Bibles available, uh, to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, some of you may be able to see it on the screen here, in just a second, once I uh, toggle here, if not, uh, just give me a good ear, and uh, we'll uh, we'll read it to you, okay, alright, hopefully you have your Bibles as well. So Proverbs chapter eleven verse thirty, and it says, "The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise." You know, I love the book of Proverbs. I think we should have a regular diet and just study the book of Proverbs, and it's just so—it's so rich. Each verse is just rich with that wisdom. Uh, now, I believe that God inspired Solomon to write uh, for us today. But the, the fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. And actually with this uh, verse I'm going to be using some notes from Andrew Womack's commentary on this verse. I, just, I think he just nails it right on the head. And so I, uh, it's, it's not a very long theological answer. I think it's just a very classical answer. And this is what Andrew says. Righteousness is like a seed that produces fruit. Okay? And then we can follow with that so far. Right? And I want to say that again. Righteousness is like a seed that produces fruit. And it produces the, the same fruit as the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. If you notice with me, it says that the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Uh, it, 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 it produces the same fruit that, uh, that the, the tree of life produces. Okay? Whatever that tree of life produces, it produces this same fruit, the fruit of righteousness. And one of the examples that Andrew gives is one of the examples of the fruit is eternal life. We have eternal life in knowing Jesus. Because we are right with God, because of what Jesus did, we have eternal life. We can have, and eternal life says, in John 17, 3, is in, in its simplest form, is not going to a place or an after death, even though that's all included. Eternal life is a relationship with God. John 17, 3 says that eternal life is a relationship with God. If we're born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed, we're born of God, and we are in right standing with God, right relationship with God, because of what <coughs> Jesus did, then we can produce the same fruit of righteousness in our life, which, which includes eternal life. It goes on to say, though, And he who wins souls is wise. And Andrew says this, Therefore anyone who leads others to this righteousness and the eternal life it produces is a wise person. I think one of the wisest things we can do is lead people to this tree of life. To this tree that produces the fruit of righteousness. And including eternal life. I don't think there's any greater miracle than seeing a light become born again. Seeing a life come into a living relationship with the eternal God. There's no greater miracle. And it's not just that conception where they're born again, and that's where it starts, but also the life that begins to come forth because of this relationship they now have with God. Seeing a life transformed uh, because they have this relationship now with God. That makes sense. And I, there's, no, there's no greater wisdom. And so even as a pastor, as a minister, I believe there's no other higher calling. And not just because I'm a pastor, but I believe we're all able ministers of the New Covenant. And we all minister in different ways and different forms with different giftings. But there's no greater calling. There's no greater miracle than leading others to this eternal life. But whatever this tree of life produces, the fr- the the righteousness produces the same fruit that the tree of life produces. I don't know about you, but when I just chew on that, and I've been chewing on this verse for a few years now, It just this is just so rich. It behooves me to know what not only the tree of life is, but it behooves me to know what righteousness is. Because I want to experience the fruit of the tree of life. That was the same tree that was in the midst of the garden. I want to experience that fruit. Whatever that fruit is, whatever, whatever the byproduct of that, that is, I want to have a connection, a relationship to this tree of life. And if righteousness produces the same fruit, then it behooves me to be establishing righteousness. That's why in this church, in this ministry, we do a lot of different things, the foundation of everything I teach is unrighteousness, because I want you, I want others, I want myself to experience the fruit of a tree of life. That's so, to me that's so profound. Excuse me, and I get this way every, every time I speak. So don't get, don't get all corona on me here. Just cause I'm coughing a little bit. But I'm just getting warmed up. But it also because me that there's no greater calling than to, to lead people to this tree, to this righteousness. Does that makes sense? So we're going to start off with that this morning. Go ahead and go with me to the book of James. James chapter 3. James 3, verse 17. And, and actually, we're going to get to verse 17. I want to back up a little bit. I want to give a little bit of context. Let's go to verse 13. James 3, we'll start verse 13. Okay, and we'll give a little bit of context to this. Now, the first uh, few verses, though, James is talking about how, uh, and, and I'm not going to read this part, but before verse 13, that's where we're going to pick it up. James is saying how some of us in the church, we will praise God with one our list, but with, with the same list, we'll curse man. And, and James had butter. Two things ought not to be so. Why do we bless God with our lips, and with the same on the other side of our mouth we curse men? Uh, he talked about the tongue being like a, a, a wildfire. Uh, 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 like uh, you know, the tongue, it, you know, just uh, it can set a whole forest on fire. It could be the rudder that can get that, that will that uh, that can steer a, a cruise liner, a, a ship. Um, the tongue is a is a is unruly, and uh, how uh, bitter water and, and fresh water can't come from the same spring. And we bless God with our lips, but the same lips we also curse and are, are, are bring down one another. He says, "Butters, these things ought not to be so." I'm not teaching on that this morning, but then he leaves into verse thirteen here. He says, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him here. I am show by the good conduct that his works are done." In the meekness of wisdom. Now, let me just pause here for a moment. We're going we're talking about the fruit of righteousness, and we're not righteous because of what we do, but we are we live righteously because we are righteous. And we and 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 that righteousness, the fruit of that righteousness, is also going to be how we treat one another. Amen. If if we're experiencing the righteousness of God and the fruit that comes out of that, how we treat one another should be different than how we did. If we were not an believer we as a church, we as believers, should be treating one another differently than the world. No matter what they've done to us, whether they're enemies or friends or family or whatever to be and Paul says in Galatians six, we ought to do good to all people, especially to those of the household of God. Okay? And that's just a little side note. Again, I'm not talking about that so much today, but it's here. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now that's very strong language. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Okay? For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are, are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, and peaceable, that's what I'm going to come to, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is really where I want to get to in this context. But let me just make some, mention a couple of things here. And again, I'm not teaching so much on this, but it's in context. Uh, I, I had a season, uh, I mean a series, I keep I keep uh, using the word season instead of series, I, so uh, bear with me know that. Um, but I had a teaching series last year, I think it was last year, the year before that, on wisdom. And I spent a lot of time in the book of Proverbs, and, uh, um, but I also you can see in this passage, in this chapter, James compares two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that is that says, not from above, verse 14, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. And then in verse 17, he says, but the wisdom that is above, and then he begins to describe that. There's two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that's from above, we'll get to that in just a moment, but there's also a wisdom that is, um, 15, I keep going to 14. There's a wisdom that is earthly, sensual, natural, are demon- and demonic, and that, that word demonic those people are. But it, you know, but it, but it is. Either, and 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 there's a worldly, earthly, sensual, worldly, natural wisdom, and it sounds wise. You know why it sounds wise? Because it is wisdom. It's just not wisdom from God. That makes sense. That's why it can be very subtle. It can be very. This that makes sense. Because there is sensualness to it. and I, I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, I made it up. You know, there's some se- it's sensual, it's earthly, but it's demonic. It's not from above. And you know, uh, there's a lot in the book of Proverbs, especially chapters 1 through, I mean the first few chapters, uh, where it talks about wisdom is crying out to us from, from the streets. Uh, above all, seek wisdom, it says. We need to know wisdom. But we also need to be aware of what wisdom we're getting and what the source of that wisdom is coming from Does that makes sense because in the verse twelve verses of this chapter James is comparing those who bless God with the same lips curse their one another where he, and he, he questions says there's better water and, 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 and fresh water come from the same spring I might be chopping up and paraphrasing what James is talking about and because whether the wisdom, the, this natural or earthly sensual, demonic wisdom is envy, strife, self-seeking, confusion, strife, and every evil thing is there. The, 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 the byproduct, because we're talking about the fruit of righteousness, but the byproduct of natural wisdom is every evil thing. It might not show up right away, but it will show its colors in due time. That makes sense? If you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you will reap everlasting life. But if you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you will reap correction. To be naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I want my wisdom, I want my direction to come from God, not man, not even my own senses. My own senses can get me in trouble. <laughs> that makes sense? <coughs> And I, I, I want to make sure if I'm going to get counsel, I get godly counsel. Those who are full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, but I want to make sure they have not this wisdom, but wisdom that is from above. <coughs> and how can you tell the two apart? Well, one, the one, the natural wisdom, you can tell because there's envy, self-seeking, confusion, and every evil thing. But the wisdom that's from above is, is, I love this, It just, it's pure, excuse me, and peaceable, gentle. I've seen the fruit of the spirit here, I don't know about you. Willing to yield. Uh, this can also be translated, willing to be intrigued. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with somebody and they're not even just willing to listen? They won't even listen to your side or whatever. They're not willing to be intruded. That's not wisdom from above. Us. Now, I'm not saying we're just going to be railroaded. I'm not saying we're just going to, you know, uh, let people run over us. But there's a, there's a gentleness, there's a peacefulness, there's a full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. I'm not so much trying to talk about wisdom today, it's just in, here in the context. But what I want to get to is this verse right here. Now, the fruit of righteousness, there's that phrase again, that's what we're talking about, is sown in peace by those who make peace. This verse is really very transitional between what we were talking about, righteousness, the last nine weeks, and peace, which I'm going to start talking about next week. That makes sense? Because the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And we're going to spend a lot more time with that over the next few weeks in our next series. That makes sense. But we, we talked about, and uh, uh, real quickly, I want to go back, the fruit of righteousness it is in Proverbs is a tree of life. So whatever, the tre- I want to experience the tree of life, don't you? So whatever the tree of life is, that tells me I, I need to experience righteousness. And also, going back to, to James, trying to go back here, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I want to understand what peace is. I want to understand what righteousness is. And the kingdom of God is righteous, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. See the connection there too? And the kingdom of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. And, and, and I want to experience His peace. Not just man-made peace. I'm not And not and not just phoniness. How many of you know, especially what's going on in our world today, not just with this coronavirus, but other things. There's a lack of peace in the world. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of worry and stress. There's a lot of envy and strife and confusion. And even self-seeking. There's a lot of hoarding going on in the supermarkets and other things. Self-seeking and whatnot. I don't... That's not the fruit I want to experience in my life. I want the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I can't make peace without the Holy Spirit. but Without the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. He's the source of my peace. Amen? We're going to talk a lot about peace over the next few weeks. I don't want to get too sidetracked with that right now. But I'm actually going to... When we talk about the fruit of righteousness, I'm, I'm... going to point out different aspects of this fruit of righteousness. that makes sense? Each of them can become a study in them themselves and a lesson of themselves and I can spend more time on this. But I want to know the tree of life. I want to experience the, the fruit of that. But if I also want to experience the fruit of righteousness, which is some peace. If 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 there's not peace, if, 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 and when I think of peace, I also think of verse 17 right here. To me, this is what peace looks like. Okay? I know there's some other, uh, Portraits. We can paint what peace looks like, and we will deal with those over the next few weeks. But it's pure it's people. It's gentle. It's willing to be entreated. It's full of mercy. I, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to act like. Especially when people do me wrong. And I don't know about you, but I, I know people have done us wrong, and then I'm sure you've done have people done you wrong. And all everything that's going on in our world today, we are a people of peace. I'm not saying we're not a people of phoniness. There's a difference between being phony and being peace. But I'm not, I'm not even talking about being religious. I'm talking about being established in his peace. Uh, but it, it's, uh, uh, it, We need to understand the fruit of righteousness before, before they understand it. Am I making sense so far? Uh, I know there might still be some questions. Let's go forward. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll pick it up, and I have verse 11 here, but let me see if I want get some context here. Yeah, go ahead and turn to Hebrews 12 11, but let me give you a little bit of context here. I want to read the whole thing right now. But Hebrews chapter 12, probably starting with about verse 4 all the way to verse 10. The writer of Hebrews is describing discipline. Now, most of us don't like that word discipline. Um, But really, if you study that word discipline out in the Greek, it means means child training. It means instruction. Um, And the word discipline in the Greek is very close to the word disciple. Because a disciple is defined in the Greek as a disciplined learner. We're to make disciples of all nations. Uh, We we support evangelism, but our heart is to make disciples. Evangelism speaks to the, the initial conversion of a life, being born again. But now that they're born again, we need to disciple them, train them, child training, them into who they are, and being equipped with God's work. The, the name of our church is called Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and we named that for a purpose, because we do a lot of discipleship here. We don't do everything, because we we're a small church, we, 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 the more we want to do, but we're, we ha, I have Bible classes, we have Bible studies, we have our Sunday morning services, I would love to do children's ministry and other things, we don't have any kids yet, and we don't have any workers that, that, that help with the kids, and we don't even have to necessarily the right facilities to, to really uh, facilitate that the way we like to. But our, my heart is to disciple the kids just as much as I want to disciple adults. In all age groups, and even men's groups, women's groups, and all kinds. My heart is about discipleship. The fruit of that discipleship will make, make make both other ministries that we do as well. But the core, the core, the, behind it all, is discipleship. And it's a disciplined learner. And, uh, and, and whatnot, <coughs> are not... Uh, and in the middle, keep your finger in, in Proverbs chapter 12. I'm, I'm actually, uh, i just scroll with me real quick. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in verse 5, beginning with verse 5, says, <clears throat> he's talking about discipline. He says, uh, and I want to pick it up here in the middle of verse 5, because he's quoting from Proverbs chapter 3 right here. He says, My son, do not despise the chasing of the Lord, nor, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves he chases and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons, for what a son is there whom a father does not chasten? him. If you are without chastening or discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are your own gentlemen and not sons. Furthermore, we have not had we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect, shall we not much more? Readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirits and live. Well, they indeed, for a few days, chastened us as seems as seemed best to them. But He, for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. I wasn't gonna read the whole context, but I just don't know how to teach us without giving some context to this. Now, let me just back up real quick in here. When he's quoting from chapters uh, verses five and six. He's actually quoting from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, starting with verse 3 says, actually let me, let me scroll forward, don't get dizzy on me, I know it's going around. He's quoting from this verse here, verse 12, For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, or chastens, or disciplines, just as a father, the son, in whom He delights. And he goes on happy as a man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. He's talking about wisdom, but he's talking about discipline. You can't get wisdom without discipline. You, you have to be a disciplined learner to get wisdom. There's no shortcut to getting wisdom, you have to learn it. But in the, this whole this passage, it's starting, and again, don't get dizzy on me, it starts with verse 3. Well, here's that word peace. He goes, For later days and long life, and peace they shall add to you. Okay? I'm going to read the whole verse. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace I will add to you. Let not mercy. We just read about that in, in, in James 3, 17. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the top of your heart. And so find favor and selfless and high esteem in the sight of God and man. And then we get the best verse. And we've pulled this all of our lives, most of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And a lot of us have been wise in our own eyes. We just talked about wisdom, earthly, sensual, demonic, versus wisdom that's from above. And when we're wise in our own eyes, that's not God's wisdom. But God's wisdom is merciful. When we are trusting the Lord with all our heart, we will be merciful. I mean, you know, sometimes mercy doesn't make sense. They have done me wrong. I'm not gonna give do them. I'm gonna do them what they have done to me. That's not God's mercy. That's not God's nature. We need to lean on lean on, on our own understanding. That's natural, earthly wisdom. To lean on our own understanding. But in all our ways, we need to acknowledge Him. He will direct our paths, and we will be wise in our own eyes. I'm sorry. We will be. We don't want to be wise in our own eyes. I'm skipping some things. There's some things about finances I've used in this passage before. But, uh, but it goes on to say, For the Lord loves, He corrects. That's, that's how He teaches us. Discipline. I, <coughs> I've taught him this before, but there's a difference between punishment and, dis- and discipline. Punishment deals with your past, discipline deals with your future. I, I, had, I had a privilege to sit on uh, when I used to work at Foothill Christian School in Glendora. I was a child assistant child care director and before that just a child care worker. Uh, but uh, there were times where we would take a child to the principal's office, and, and uh, Robert, our uh, Bo Guswater was the principal. He's still the principal there. Uh, he's been a principal for many decades now. Uh, and he was, to me, he wasn't just a principal, he, he was a pastor. His pastor he was pastoring those kids, the staff, and everyone. And I just loved his wisdom. Because I, I could see now wisdom that came from above, because it had all the characteristics of the wisdom that we just talked about in James 3.17. But sometimes he would, uh, there was one particular time, I remember him sitting down with a child, who. we, this was not the first visit to the principal's office we had, and I don't always sit in, but in this particular uh, situation, he had me sit in on the conversation, and he was, I remember, he, he was talking, to, he, he was explaining to this child the difference between punishment and discipline. He says, we have no desire here at this school to punish you. That, is, that doesn't do you any good. It's just more work for us and more pain for you. And it's actually pain for us. We're here to discipline. Because we want to see a change in behavior. But we he isn't, if he says, we tri- you did this, we tried this. You tri- we did this we tried this. You did this, we tried this. You did this, we tried this. Nothing's working. What do we need to do to see a different result? To see a different outcome? To see a change in behavior? Uh, and so, and anyway, there's more to happen, I can't remember the whole conversation, but I just remember gleaning from that all these years. I just there's a difference between with, I mean punishment and discipline. Any good coach is going to discipline his athlete, not just in the skills of the sport, but also the way he's thinking, maybe his diet, his attitude. Because he can teach him the sport, but if his attitude is wrong, he can't. He's not going to go where. It's not going to end well. And we, I've, lo- I've watched some multiple uh, sport movies through the years, and the good coaches are hard on discipline. are the good coach, and sometimes it's not fun watching the glory they make them go through. But in the end, they win. They win the. They win the title. They win the championship because they were disciplined well. That makes sense. Most of these Olympians, when you go to Olympians, they didn't get there because they had a soft coach. Every great Olympian got there because they had a very disciplinary coach. That makes sense. Same can happen in any other vocation. Any other vocation where we have a good mentor who knows how to discipline right. Not punish, but discipline. And, there's a, there's, and, and when we discipline correctly, let me try to get back to Hebrews chapter 12. Okay. I think I did that wrong. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is talking about how no chasing seems to be joyful for the present. No, there's no, and all the sport movies I've watched, I've never seen one athlete enjoy the discipline that their coach was having to go through. Whether they were, they were running, doing sprints, doing uh, uh, death crawls, or whatever or whatever whatever the, the, the excitement was, whatever the discipline was, none of them enjoyed doing that exercise. But they all enjoyed winning that championship and it all paid off. It, 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 now, uh no our discipline seems to be pain joyful for the present, but painful nevertheless. Afterward, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. we talked we've seen three things so far in this fruit of righteousness. One, it's the same fruit from the tree of life. The second one, it produces, is sung by peace but those who who, 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 who sow peace. The third thing we've seen here, that we need to be trained by it. Yes, it's a byproduct of righteousness, but we need to be disciplined in knowing who that we are righteous. That makes sense? We need to be trained by it. We need to be disciplined. You know, and I... I can paint this picture in so many different ways. I mean, he, uh, again, I worked at a, as a childcare worker for 10 years. I can tell you in a room full of kids which one, which kids have been disciplined well by their parents and which ones are not. I might not I know all the details. I don't even care about all the details. That's not my business. But I can just tell that those who were either over-disciplined by abuse or whether they were under-disciplined, which to me is another form of abuse, uh, in some regards, uh, they, but I can tell those who were well disciplined, well mannered. That makes sense. You can just tell. The, the fruit, there's fruit that you can just tell. I can tell if the grass is well watered or not, or if it's healthy, or if there's a bunch of weeds or whatever. You can just tell. You have to take a step back and observe. Is this going well? We have to sometimes do that with our finances. Take a step back. You know what? We keep hitting the same bump in the road. Something's wrong, you know, or whatever the case may be, sometimes we have to take a step back. Is this working? Is our schedule working? Are we, are we going crazy? Or whatever the case may be, sometimes we have to take a step back and look at different aspects of our lives, our relationships, our, our marriage, our finances, and is it going well? If not, we might need to create some new disciplines to make sure that it's, we're doing well. Our diet, our schedule, our time with the Lord. Sometimes we have to, to discipline ourselves in different ways so that we can produce the same fruit that we want. And spiritually speaking, because that's really the goal of everything we're trying to teach here, I can tell those who have been well-disciplined in the Word of God and those who have not. We're all on different levels and we have different reasons of why we haven't learned so much because of some time, some schedule, some... Sometimes it's a culture or language thing. Sometimes there's, there's other things involved. Or maybe there's a learning disability And some people. Uh, there's all kinds of different reasons why we might be on different levels. But I can, and I'm not so much talking about those who are an Andrew Walmack or, or Billy Graham or someone like that. Uh, those are a little obvious. But even in the church, I can tell those who are, you know, the Bible talks about this in 2 Timothy 2, too, uh, talk about finding leaders and trust those who are faithful, man. Hebrews, Hebrews, what we're just reading from, Hebrews chapter 5, he says, by now you should be teachers, but someone has to still teach you the first principles. I can tell those who are able to teach others, maybe them might not be able to stand behind a pulpit and teach in that uh, message without regard revival. I can trust, uh, for example, I can trust certain ladies with other ladies that they, in a, just in conversation over coffee or just fellowship, that I can trust them. that it's going to be a healthy conversation. And some, Uh, some, I might uh, want to make sure there's a a third party there that can help uh, balance some things. I'm not attacking people, don't get me wrong, wrong. but I can tell when there's a spiritual unhealthiness. Because some people have been trained by the wrong teaching, by the wrong philosophies, or whatever the case may be. I'm saying a lot of different things here, but I want to yield the peaceable, there's that word peace again, it keeps showing up. It keeps showing up with the fruit of righteousness. It's I want people to yield the fruit of people for righteousness so they may be trained by it. I say a lot of different things. But one of the reasons why we offer Bible classes, offer uh, that everything we do, not that we expect people to take do everything we offer, not that we expect everyone to... Uh, and some people can can only take classes once in a while with different things. But our 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 part is to offer something where you can go as fast or slow as you want so that you can, and it's not just through the teaching, there's other things we can do, so you can be trained. So you can yield the people of righteousness. So you can be established in righteousness. So you can be established in who you are in Christ. Because so, that's our mission statement, that you be established in, in, in his identity, that you be equipped in his word so that you would be empowered to fulfill your destiny, whatever that some of us have destinies for ministry or a vocation. Some of us, our destinies is to be a good mom or be a good wife. And that, that not all that tells, but that's huge. So be it. Don't ever water that down if that's all God's called you to be. Be the best God has called you to be if that's what God has called you to be. If all he has to be a stay-at-home mom with your wife and your, uh, with your husband and your kids, then so be it. Be the best. Do it well. And train yourself to teach your kids this stuff. To teach your family and be that be be, be that pillar. I, I couldn't do half the things I do in ministry if it wasn't for my wife supporting me. She's been called since she knew, knew she was called to be a pastor's wife. Some people have tried to derail her from that through the years, even other pastors. They meant well, but they had their own agenda. They were actually self-seeking. They had their own agenda, trying to build their own church. And we said, no, we do it. We do this together. I remember being a youth pastor in Wisconsin, and the pastor tried to get her to be in charge of the women's ministry or the, or the children's ministry or secretary in the office. And she, in and of themselves, she didn't have a problem doing those things, but she wanted to be with me. And he's like, well, no, you need to do your own ministry. He goes, no, we're doing, we're doing this together. And I have a youth group, and we had a at the time in Wisconsin. We were a ch- uh, small town of 6,000 people, but we, had, we were the, one of the largest churches in the area. And we had, I had churches from, uh, I don't know, 12 different counties and two different states We were on the borderline of Iowa, and uh, and uh, so a lot of school districts, but we had a lot of kids in our youth group. But I had not just men, I had a lot of ladies, young ladies there, and I, I need a female pastor that with me to help me pastor these kids, because they're not, I can't do, I can't meet with the girls one on one. I can't do that. I need a female in there with me and we do this together. And even if that wasn't the case, we still do this together. And I'm just painting a picture for us. But it just— a, but w- w- don't ever. I'm getting off on this. It's not even in my message right now. This is just a little freebie. <laughs> but it's just whatever God's called you to do, don't water it down as being substandard or uh, not important. Because whatever God's called you to do is divinely important. You might not know all the impact that you may do. You might not even see it all in your lifetime. Abraham didn't see all the food that he did. Paul didn't see all the food that he did in his lifetime. We're still benefiting from these men and others. Uh, we, you might not see it all in your lifetime. Uh, the, I mean, Hebrews chapter 11 talks about that. Was well, not all these people saw the promise fulfilled in their lifetime. So, but don't ever underestimate what God's called you to do. But whatever he is, be trained by it. And, and the foundation of no matter what God's called you to do, is be discipled, to be a disciplined learner, so that you can yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness, whatever God has called it to you to in your life, in your family, in your job, in your in your in our nation. And so in the diamond effect. Of you being a disciple of Christ will not just affect your life, but will affect your, our lives corporately. Yes, on a family level, and it will affect us on a on a church corporate level. It will affect us on a even a, a, a community, a society level, a national level. How I many you know we affect people, and as a church, we can affect our world together. Um, and so. But it's going to be hard to affect our world together in a, in a peaceable, fruitful way if we're not trained in the Word of God ourselves. If we're not trained by God ourselves. If we don't have this wisdom. Uh, Paul, uh, Solomon, who was going to be king of the greatest nation, uh, uh, God asked him what he wanted. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for fame. He asked for wisdom. And God was pleased with that. Because he had honor and he had responsibility to be the king of this great nation called Israel. And he asked for wisdom. As a pastor, as a husband, as a brother in Christ, I want wisdom to be able to do what God called me to do. And, but I need to be trained by it. And I'm going to be trained by his mercy. I'm going to be trained by his nature. And I'm going to be trained by the wisdom that comes from above. And that wisdom that comes from above is, see if I can get, uh, is is pure, is peaceable, is gentle, is full of mercy, willing to be entreated. I know I didn't get those in order, but I'm painting the picture. And it will produce the same fruit that came from the tree of life. It's peaceable. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's go to another one real quick. Let's go to Philippians chapter one. Philippians one, we'll pick it up verse nine. Verse eleven is what I want to get to, but I want to give a little bit of context here. Paul's speaking. He says, "I and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment." We're going to spend some time with this word knowledge starting next week. I'll come back to this when we talk about peace. Okay. But knowledge also speaks towards wisdom. Okay? Paul's praying, I pray that your love may abound. How many of you want our love to abound? And how many of your prayers for others and your family, your loved ones, for their love to abound? More and more in knowledge and discernment. I want the knowledge and discernment to come from God, not my flesh, not natural. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent. How many of you know that when you start Walking with God and the fruit of righteousness becomes out of your life. Your desires change. What I consider excellent is not always the same as that what the world calls excellent. I even have some good Christian friends. They're Christi- I, I consider them Christian friends. But some of them, there are a number of level. I think sometimes, uh, when they're walking with God. And how do I know this? And, and, and there's a lot of put down. Because in conversations with them, I know I'm not hearing anything about God. I'm only hearing stuff about the world, sports, this and that. And I don't have anything wrong with sports and this and that and themselves in most cases. But what I consider excellent is not sports, this and that. <laughs> it doesn't mean I can't talk about sports, it doesn't mean I can't talk about other things. We can have fun, we can We can have, we all have different appetites. But all I want to talk about sometimes is the word of God and the things of I understand. I don't want to be all heavenly-minded. I know it's to be good. But at the same point in time, you know, my desires change. I mean, I remember. How, I remember how. Uh, and there have been times past I had some desires that were not so good. But when I know His love, because that's what He's talking about here, that his, our love may abound in His knowledge and His service, that we may approve the things which are excellent. And I, my desires are different. Even in this season of this coronavirus and different things, I have a different appetite of what I call excellence. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and I'm, I'm not against politics, I'm not in and of itself, I'm not against uh, hospitals and nurses. I'm about the kingdom of God. And by his stripes, we are healed. And this virus or any other virus is not coming in this house, it's not coming in our dwelling place. I rebuke that. Any more than any sin, any addictions going to come in my life. I don't, I that's don't not how I'm going to live. And I'm not putting down other people. Because that might not be the conviction, but that's my conviction. And I haven't been sick with the cold or the flu since 2009. And then I'm starting with some other virus now. I'm not putting up with that. I have a different, expi- my expectation is I am not going to get sick. But at the same point in time, I will respect and honor others to, those, to the weak. I will become weak to win the weak. Not because I, I don't want to label them weak because I'm trying to put them down, no. I'm just trying to show them grace and mercy and whatever. I would rather win them to the Lord than win them than to win my, an argument. And, and I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to be arrogant in my faith. That makes sense? And, and I know I'm getting off some sidetracks right now, but I'm speaking a little bit towards what we're going to right now. That's not my main point. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. So, let me finish the verse. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, this fruit of righteousness. It's not only for the tree of life, it's not only sun by peace, and it's not only uh, will yield the peaceful fruit of, if we're trained by it, but this fruit of righteousness is by Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, there is no fruit of righteousness. Without Jesus, there's no righteousness. We we just spent nine weeks talking about that in various ways. Is that making sense so far? And um let me, i got some notes here, and they're also from Andrew as <clears> well. <throat> But, he says, so let me just read what I got here. I know it's a little different. But all the fruits of righteousness come from God's love. And that's what he just talked about in verse 9. If we want more fruit, we need to focus more on the love of God. We need to be trained by the love of God, tying in what we just read in the Hebrews. This goes back to our love, abounding more and more through knowledge and discernment, verse 9. When what happens, when when that happens, excuse me, our recognition of what is excellent changes. You know, when I'm in the Word of God and I'm 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 so focused on His love and His nature, my recognition of what's excellent changes. I'm just t- talking about that a little bit. He says hypocrisy leaves and sin leaves too. Verse ten. This verse, verse eleven, reveals that this will also produce righteous fruit that glorifies and praises God. Any love that doesn't cause all these things isn't God's true love. We could go through the chapter of faith, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and this is love. And you can see the fruit, the attributes, the byproduct of what true love is. And if, if true love doesn't produce this fruit of righteousness, then it's not God's love. It's a natural love, it's a, it's a, it's a different, it's not agape. No. It's a godly love. It might be a different form of love, because you, know, I mean, you know there's different words for love. But it's not God's kind of love. Join me real quick to uh, Romans chapter 6. We're going to switch gears just a little bit and we're going to talk about holiness. Romans chapter 6 verse 22. I'm going to toggle for the next two verses from the King James Version. We have a lot of highlights in here, but don't worry about my highlights. Sometimes my Bible looks like a colouring book. But we spent on this uh, last few weeks we said this phrase is comes up now, but now. And which now? Now. But now being free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the, and the end everlasting life. Again, be, now being free from sin, and how will we be free from sin? Because of what Jesus did. Right? We're free from sin because of what Jesus did. And become servants to God, ye have your fruit, Unto holiness, there is a fruit unto holiness. Like, uh, <clears throat> I believe the New King James calls it the fruit of holiness. Again, as I started off, we're talking about the fruit of righteousness. It's not a root of righteousness. And Andrew says this, and again I'm quoting from him. Notice that holiness is a fruit, and it's not a root. It's not holiness is not the root of salvation. It's the fruit of it. Does that make sense? It's, it's very important that we understand that that holiness and righteousness, the, the 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 fruit, the fruit of holiness and the fruit of righteousness is not the root of righteousness or the root of uh, root of holiness. Does that making sense? It's not. It's a fruit. It's not a root. But how many of you know that you're, you're abiding in the roots? The fruit will be a abiding. If a branch is properly, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but grafted, thank you, grafted into the branch of a tree, whatever tree it's grafted into, because it's grafted into that root system, it's going to produce that fruit. That makes sense. If we are grafted into Christ, and we are abiding in Him, and His Word is abiding in us, if we're abiding in Him, His fruit, the fruit of holiness, the fruit of righteousness, will produce out of our life. Does that make sense? That is that is to say that holiness is a byproduct of our relationship with God. Righteousness and holiness is a uh, is a byproduct of our relationship with God. Again, going back to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four says that we we are to so learn Christ and put off the old man. And the spirit of my mind put on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness is who we put on. And if we put him on and we're making that transformation in the spirit of my mind, then we too will begin to produce the fruit of our righteousness and holiness. It's the fruit. It's not the root. But if we are abiding in the root the fruit will, become, will, will come forth. Is that making sense? Okay. But notice, because it's a fruit and not a root, it does not produce a relationship with God. It's the fruit of holiness. And we we need to make sure we understand that. And that fruit is, and the fruit of something is different than the root of something. The root is the source. It that makes sense? The fruit is a byproduct of that source. But if we are abiding in that source and we're established and we have the right identity with that source, the fruit will come. We don't have make magic come. It will come. Our desires will change. Our attitudes will change. Our appetites will change. And our behavior will change. When I see someone in sin, and even if they're a Christian, I, I, I don't like their behavior. And, if, and I, I guess I want to correct their behavior, especially if they're doing harm to somebody else. But, I know if I just go fruit picking, I'm not going to change their lives. I mean, you know, if you, just, if you just pull the dandelions out of the ground and you don't get the root, they're just going to come right back. Why? Because you haven't dealt with the root. All you did was pull that little yellow, yellow flower, you didn't get the root. You didn't solve the problem, you actually made the problem worse. Because it's just going to multiply. Because in that whole yanking process, you probably spread the seeds. That makes sense? But if all I do is go pull, pull the fruit off the tree, if it's if it's being watered well, nourished well, it's just going to come back. Depending on the type of tree, the the fruit, it might depend on how long that will be. It might be a whole another year, a whole another season before we see that. But it's going to come back. Uh, but if you, if all we do is fruit picking in people's lives, we're not doing them a, a favor. We're not helping them. They need to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. They need to be. They need to. They need to be. Uh, discipline, in the sense where they need to know who they are. Now, if they're not listening, that makes it hard. And so that's why I'm praying for wisdom. Now, I'm not not saying there's not certain things that we can do to help them and where there are. But, you know, that's why even in Galatians it says if someone falls under uh, sin, Galatians 6, I'm paraphrasing, we who are spiritual are to help restore one another. We have a process to help restore one another. And in that word restore, if you say that word restore, it means to mend. If I break my arm, I don't just cut it off every time I break it. But I might put it in a cast or a sling. I might minimize activity. To, and, and, and in time, I will probably maybe even get therapies to exercise it. And, but the whole purpose of all that process is not to cut it off. Arm, you broke. You, you're bad. You're done. We're done with you. No, we mend it back into health. We, there's a process, there's a restriction of activity. But the whole goal is to get it back to so it can function normal again, without any therapy, without any sling or cast. cast is, having a cast is not normal, having a sling is not normal, and even doing some of the therapy is not normal. But normal activity is normal. Some behaviors that people are doing are not normal. They're not good. They're not healthy. They're, 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 they're wrong. But we've got to change the fruit. I mean, the root. If we're going to change the fruit, we've got to change the way we're thinking. Okay? That make sense. But, <clears throat> see, if we don't know, even know we're free from sin because of what Jesus did, then we're not going to act free. And if we're not going to act free, then we're going to act with all the ugly fruit of sin. That makes sense? But we need to know we're free. You know, that's what set me free. I had an addiction back uh, a few years back now. But I remember when I finally got the revelation of righteousness, I remember we had lost everything. Sherry was at a woman's retreat. (coughs) Uh, And I remember we were staying at her grandmother's house. I remember being in the middle of her living room while they were at a ladies' retreat, and I got this revelation of righteousness. I said, if Jesus doesn't have this problem, then why do I? Because I'm the righteousness of God in Him. And that revelation set me free, and I have not had an issue with some of those things ever again. It set me free. And I realized I was free from sin, not because of what I did. I was free from sin because of what Jesus did. And I began to identify with and I began to, over the next several months, and, and even years now, train myself in who I was in Christ. So I can not only be free, but I can live free. And I, I began to see the fruit of holiness and righteousness in my life. Because I was now abiding in who I was in Christ, not, in, not accepting that this was just who I was. That makes sense? It was very life-transforming. And we can. I mean, I'm applying this to addiction or sin, but we can apply this to healing. If you have a sickness, coronavirus that's going around, or, or any other disease or sickness, well, by his stripes, you are healed. Jesus doesn't have the coronavirus. Jesus doesn't have any of these diseases or sickness. So you are the righteous God in him. And if that's the case, then you are free from sin. You are free. I can st- I mean, the curse of sin includes sickness and every disease. But if you are free from sin, you are also free from any disease or sickness of any kind. And if and if you get the revelation that Jesus is healed, then so can you be, because as He is, so are you in this world. It, the same, it applies to everything. If you need wisdom in a situation you are at a fork in the road, you don't know go left, right, or center. Maybe it's a, you know there might be multiple options. I don't know what the case it may be. But if you need wisdom, Jesus didn't do anything until he heard it from his Father. He spent time with his Father. Get into the Father. Get into relationship with him. And he will lead you by his Spirit. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't lean on your own understanding. But as a, as a disciplined athlete, is going to be so trained by his coach. He's going to know in those crucial decisions which way to go. Because he knows how he's been trained. He might know he might not have been in this way before, but he knows how to make decisions in the moment because he's been trained well how to do it. A cop is trained how to handle certain situations. An athlete, military, different vocations are, are trained what to happen and what's excellent. That makes sense. same thing spiritually, the more that we're trained in the word of God, the more that we have a regular good diet of hearing God's word and, in, and having a relationship with him. When those forks in the roads come, when the world is saying something totally different than what you believe, you'll know what to do and how to act. This whole coronavirus, different things, people are doing different things, and when I you have there's some decisions that we've all had to make over the last few weeks. Some uh You know, some in compliance. What's going on, and some uh, you know, not so much. But not that we're trying to be rivals, but we're just trying to let the Lord lead our steps and not be wider in our minds. But how do we know that? Because we're in relationship with Him. We have a discipline of being in relationship with Him, and and we just we learn the same way that Jesus spent time with the Father. And you'll hear it says in Isaiah that you will hear a voice behind you. This is the way we walk in it we can know how God leads us by himself. And he will lead us by his peace. We'll, get, we'll spend more time on this. But, but there's times I made a decision and I just have all the peace in the world that we made the right decision. Not because it's necessary to outcome, but I just know it's the right decision. We I mean, you know sometimes we make the right decision, and, but it also involves other people. And how they reacted was not right, but what we did was right. That's not always the case, but I'm just saying there's been times when we've made the decision, we have all the peace, we did the right thing, that other people's response was not so good. But we're not responsible for the response, we're responsible for what we do. That makes sense? We need to know that we know in those times that we heard from God. Because I can't base them on what I know is the right thing based on people's responses. I have to do what I know is the right thing based on what God told me to do. I don't want to throw that God card out if it's not God. But I want to make sure it's God. And, uh, you know, Jesus went to the cross when everyone else, like, what are you doing? <laughs> even his own disciples, Jesus, Peter said, I will die for you. Jesus said, Peter even talked about not going to the cross, and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Peter was just thinking, he was just thinking on a natural, earthly, I'll die for my master, my, my hero, my mentor. He wasn't thinking what the cross represented at that point, he didn't have a revelation of that. Sometimes... Anyway, I'm getting off on so many side tracks. I don't even know what, which one is the, the the right road here. But uh, it's just. Uh, um, but I'm trying to apply what we're talking about in everyday life. And I need wisdom. I need discernment of how to make decisions in everyday life. Let's go to one more passage of scripture, and we'll wrap this up. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 13 through 15. This passage of scripture, I'm going to speak a little bit towards it, but this has also been a very misconstrued oh. passage through the years uh, by some people. And yeah, I want to bring some clarity to this. For so Hebrews chapter 12, we were actually already there, but we're going to read a little further than we were. Um, Hebrews 12. We just finished reading, let me go back up while we all get in there. It says, now no chasing but the present seemeth to be joyful but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness unto those which are exercised thereby. Let me talk about to the King King James. So no chasing seems to be joyful to, to the present. But painful, nevertheless, where he yields the peaceful fruit righteous, of righteousness that they have been trained by. That's what we just read a few minutes ago. I want to go forward, though. Verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that, they, that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people, and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now, through the years, I've heard this verse over and over again. Pursue peace with all people. There's that peace again, and we'll talk about that a little more later. Peace with all people. And holiness. They always forget the first part. They only focus on the holiness part. And usually just, this is the way I always hear it, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's how I usually hear it For most people. They, put, they, they even switch up the words around. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. They don't, they don't even talk about the peace part, most people that I've heard, uh, but without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so they think that but unless we're walking holy, we're not going to see the Lord. Well, I want to bring uh, something that might be a little different to that. we're talking about the fruit of holiness. Okay? Are the fruit of righteousness. First of all, he's making, he made a point here in verse 13. I, I love reading the context of something. Because sometimes when you take a text out of a context, you're left with a con. Okay? And make straight paths to your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Again, once again, I, I didn't mean to quote so much from Andrew today, but I just like what he says about this. He said, a lame man cannot traverse the same terrain as someone who is not lame. If we were hiking, someone who's lame not, is not going to be able to handle the same terrain some of us who are, who are not lame. That makes sense? That's just a natural perspective. So we should conduct our lives in a way that those who are weak can follow our example and be healed. Okay? Tied down with verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather here. How many know we affect people? We influence people. And just because I'm strong in the faith, and I'll even use this coronavirus as an example, just because I'm strong in the faith, I want to be careful how I handle myself and how I communicate. Because I do not want to intentionally offend somebody and dislocate them. In their relationship with God, because I think I'm judging them. That makes sense. I want them to be healed, not only physically, but I want them to have a healthy perception of God and relationship with God. I don't want my faith to come across as arrogant, where I now have dislocated them. I've become an offense, not just maybe offended at me, but now they're offended at God. That makes sense. Just on this he goes on to say. Many people use this verse, verse 14 that I was just talking about, to preach that if we aren't holy in our actions, we won't have fellowship with the Lord. But, as so, but so many truths of God, God's new covenant reveal that our relationship with the Lord isn't based on our actions, but on our faith in Jesus Christ. This verse has to be interpreted in light of this. Therefore, this verse could be speaking of God's holiness that is imparted to us when we receive salvation. It is the holiness of God in our born-again spirits that allows us to have a relationship with God. But then he says this. And again, this is kind of a mandarin. The context of this verse suggests another interpretation. Hebrews chapter I mean, Hebrews 12:13 instructs us to not walk in a manner that will cause others to stumble. And that is important. We should make sure we are walking in such a way we don't cause others to stumble. That makes that makes sense? Um, therefore, I believe this verse isn't talking about us seeing God, but rather that if we don't act in a holy manner, no one will see God in our lives. And that's, that's where I stand with. And it says here, yeah, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. This is not talking about us not seeing the Lord. Because in the whole book he's already talking about those who us seeing the Lord. But he says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. If we don't walk with peace with one another, and we don't walk holy, people won't see God in us. That's important. I've seen, I've seen Christians who call themselves Christians, and we just dealt with this in James chapter 3, with the same, let say, we praise God and curse men. I've seen so many people through the years get offended at God because of how the church or different Christians treated them. Or because they're calling themselves Christians, but they live like the devil. They live like sin, and they, they embrace that. We've seen people. We even had a pastor friend back in 2009 who introduced us to Andrew and Mac, who was living in all types of um, uh, uh, wickedness. And he was endorsing it by g- calling it grace. That's not grace. Grace of God will teach us in the night ungodliness. That's not grace. And it, it, it was, it was uh, anyway, I know that's extreme, and that might not be what we're experiencing in, in everyday life, and we haven't known many other people like that. But we need to watch how we live so that we are not a stumbling block to other people. That makes sense. That's very important. Even when our faith is strong and even in the realm of our coronavirus, we need to watch that we're not st- making other people stumble and being arrogant with our faith and being cocky with our faith. We need to be sincere, yes, but we need to make sure that we are gentle for mercy, without partiality, peaceful, pure. That makes sense. OK? Let me read some more from the, again from Andrew. He says, That would certainly be a true statement that is not only consistent with, with Hebrews 12, 14. Let me read that same again. He says, But rather, that if we don't act in a holy manner, no one will see God in our lives. And Andrew says, that that would be a, certainly a true statement that is not only consistent with verse 14, but it also fits perfectly into verse not only 13, but also verse 15, which says, "...looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, that any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become deviled." Andrew says this, "...our actions don't earn the grace of God." We know that. We've taught that in this church. You can't earn grace, otherwise it's not grace. And I can bring out several scriptures to, to validate that. But our actions don't earn the grace of God... That wouldn't be grace, and one of those references I'm not going to turn to because of time. Romans eleven six. Uh, we can look that up later. Therefore, if we don't fall from grace by, therefore we don't fall from grace by not being holy enough to earn it. That is not scriptural. That, that's not New Testament teaching. If we go with me real quick. Uh, I'll close here. I thought I was going kind to of close here. Galatians five four. actually kind of talked about this in our last series a little bit. Where it says, You have become estranged from Christ. You who have attempted to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. The King James says it this way. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. We cannot be justified by the law. We just read about that last, last week in Romans chapter 3. Are you guys following me? Or are we good? I'm not trying to go too fast. I'm not losing you. I'm just, I'm just uh, putting a gauge on myself. I want to make sure I'm doing okay. But uh, Christ, we can't become justified by keeping the law. But some people in their own minds think that they can. that makes sense? Religion has taught people that they can be justified by their performance. But if if we're in our thinking, in our theology, in our our thinking, in our doctrine, we think that we can become justified by the law, we've fallen from grace. And when we fall from grace, Christ is because of no effect unto us. We can't earn grace. We can't earn righteousness. We can't earn holiness. The only way you can become holy is because of the blood of Jesus. That makes sense. But if you are holy, then live holy. If you are righteous, live righteous. If you are a child of God, live like it. Be like it. Let the fruit of righteousness, let the fruit of holiness do good to others and live holy so that you don't not only cause other other people to stumble, but yet or yet you can hopefully win them to Christ. And then they will follow you. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. We're not following Paul. But as he's following Christ, we're going to go in the same direction. But if Paul decides to go in a different direction, and I'm, not, I'm not think, speaking hypothetically, we're not going to go follow him because we've been trained to follow Christ, and people are following us, and let them follow us as we're follow Christ. But if we go another direction, they'll follow me; keep following Christ. But if they don't know better, because they haven't been trained better, we go the wrong direction. Woe well, to us, if we cause them to stumble because of our, I'll just quote yeah, just stupidity. <laughs> you know, because we're living like the devil, we're we're doing things that are not, not right, not holy, not wholesome. That makes sense. Let me go. Let's go back real quick. I'm done, but I just want to. I just want to end on this. Let's go back to Proverbs where we started. I'm just closing this up. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. I don't know if this message makes sense or would not. But the word fruit, every time I read this, and in all the contexts, we'll regret this, the fruit means a lot to me. Because the fruit. Is not the source, and fruit can only be because it's abiding in the source, the vine. How about you? But I want the tree of life in my life, and I want the benefits of the tree of life in my life. I want peace. I want all the fruit that we saw, all the benefits that we saw in James chapter three. Everything we've seen in all these. Different I want. I want. I want to lead other people in a straight path in a good path. I want to the fruit of holiness to be in life. I want his love to abound in my life. And I want to win souls. And I'm not going to win souls. I'm not going to lead people to just strip life if I'm trying to live on my own. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm preaching it, but I'm not living it myself. that makes sense? And that kind of goes back to Hebrews 12, what we just read. I don't want to cause people to stumble because I'm not the fruit of righteousness. It's not evident in my life. I want the fruit to be evident, not so they praise me, but they glorify Him. Make sense. But I want them to see Christ in me. I don't want them to see me. I want to see them to see Christ in me. But I don't want them to see a misconstrued version of Christ. That's not Christ. That makes sense. And so we because the fruit and the fruit, the tree of life. I mean, if you study the tree of life, it will cure everything. I mean, just think about that. I mean, I always, I mean, we, I know we weren't there, but Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall, there was no sickness. There was no strife or pain. There was no needs, financial needs. They had everything. There was no marriage problems. There were no relationship problems. There was no issues. They had everything they needed. They were living in a perfect world. And they had the tree of life. Even if they had an issue, they had the tree of life for everything. But we are living in the fallen world because of the the fall. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, And we have access to the same tree. Through Jesus Christ. And we can benefit and see the fruit of the same fruit that they have, to because of Jesus. You know, when uh, Jesus, when, when Adam and Eve fell, God ousted them from the garden. And he said that he put a flaming sword, the angels, cherubim, with a flaming sword. Well, it says, and uh, I'll deal with the cherubim first, that in the law, that they embroidered two cherubim on the tent that separated the holy place from the holy holies. And it says in Matthew that when Jesus died on the cross, that God ripped that, that curtain from top to bottom. That had embroidered on it these cherubim. Therefore, God through the cross has removed the barrier, so we can come. To he also says in Zechariah about this sword. And his sword, and I forget exactly how Zechariah phrases it. But it would be, it would uh, he strike the, sh- the shepherd and the people. It's uh, not about striking the shepherd, I'm sorry, i I should have read this before today. But I, there are also some verses in, uh, in, the, in the gospel books where Jesus took that sword for us to the cross, and I'm paraphrasing this I, sorry I don't have those references for you today, but when I when you, when you study both of these out both the sword and the cherubim, God through Christ has removed the barrier so that we, the church of the living God, can come back into true life and, not, and we can because of Jesus, he is our righteous we are the righteousness of God in him We are not righteous outside of him. We're righteous in him. And there's so many scriptures. I can give you over 300 scriptures talking about that. But at the same point in time, because I am in him, I can have, he's my righteousness. But I can have that fruit. He's my righteousness. He's my holiness. And I can be, I can have that fruit of that. Be evident in my life. For my life, but also for those who see me those who are watching me. That makes sense, and that's beautiful. And those who lend, we lend up souls is wise. Praise God. I pray, to, I pray for myself, I pray for all of us, and especially in the world that we're living in, in this society, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. And it's in seasons like this that we're going through, the coronavirus and the end times and different things, that light, it's in darkness that light shines brighter. And if I shot a flashlight in this room, it wouldn't be so bright. It would be brighter than some of that light coming in, not so much the sunlight, but it would be brighter. But at nighttime, time, when all the lights are out, and I try to shine a flashlight in this room, it's very bright. Light shines bright. I can tell when something, in my opinion, needs to be salted, it doesn't taste so well. When you salt it, it tastes as good. If it's over salted, it doesn't taste so well either. Yeah, it, that's, that, that's a bitter taste to me. But uh, to season just right. And we need our light to shine in such a way, season with salt in such a way, that we can win people. And it does, it, during seasons, seasons like this, it's during storms like this, that people can be sometimes open to receive Christ or become more bitter. We, I didn't even deal with that, but it talks about in Hebrews 12 verse 15, bitterness. And if we're not walking in grace, because grace will teach us to deny Godliness, if we're not walking in grace, it can cause us to become bitter. and It can cause others who are watching us in our folly to become bitter as well. And I don't want to be a stumbling block to others. and it's, We have to be careful sometimes what we say, what we do, even in seasons like this. There's a spirit of fear and panic going on in our world. We're not part of that. God has not given us the spirit of fear, the power of love, and a sound mind. But we also want to make sure that we say the right thing. I'm not saying we don't say anything. But I'm saying we say the right things in love, in peace. Uh, James three seventeen is a very good uh, plumb line. It's pure. It's peaceful. It's willing to be treated, It's full of mercy. It's peaceable. It's gentle. And that's what we need to be. Because I want to stop. The fruit of righteousness to be sown. We're going to spend a lot more time on peace the next few weeks so we can establish in peace. But the fruit of peace is righteousness. So, amen. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the cross. And Lord, I just speak, speak for all who are listening. I speak peace over our lives. First of all, physically, anyone who may be sick, we just rebuke that sickness in the name of Jesus. In the same manner, we just speak peace over any fear, any anxiety, and we rebuke that fear in the name of Jesus. That is not of God. You have given us peace. I'm not saying that we would not be strong and wise and be practical, but I do come against that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. You know, I just thank you. I thank you that you'd be with all of us. I, I speak Blessing on everyone's finances right now because I know some people are out of work. They're on furlough and different things are there's an economic effect because of all this kicking on and I thank you Lord that we are blessed and we are not cursed We are above and not not beneath. We are the head and not the tail We will be a lender of many and a borrower of none We are the church. We are the people of God and there's more with us than no with them Thank you for giving us wisdom. Thank you for giving us insight. Thank you for disciplining us in your word and and in our relationship with you. And thank you, Lord, that you are our righteousness. And as we abide in you, the fruit of that righteousness, the fruit of holiness, will be evident in our lives. Bless us we go. And in your name we give you thanks for everything. Every good and every perfect gift comes from you. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen and amen.